0: Listening to the ESPN New York Tonight Podcast with Larry Hardesty on
1: ninety-eight point seven ESPN. In the nighttime, Gordon Damer joins me again. Hey Gordon.
0: Larry, I guess I did the okay yesterday. I didn't ruffle too many feathers, so I'm I'm glad that you're willing to bring me back for a second night.
1: And tomorrow night, and tomorrow night and tomorrow well, let's night. see how tonight goes <laughs> for it. I mean, let's not make any promises. If
0: we've learned nothing else from the world, Larry. You know, with the way things are going lately, my friend.
1: I think I'm going to sequester you. (laughs) I've already been. Trust me. I'm in this house. I can't get away. (laughs) I'm going to sequester you like Major League Baseball is talking about doing, Gordon. And we'll be joined by Tia Brown. She is a psychiatrist, and uh, she will talk to us at 1015. We'll get her thoughts on just the mental aspect of us being, you know, sequestered uh, during this time and, Gordon even though we're doing this is really weird. We'll get to the baseball part in a minute. But this is so weird Gordon in the fact that you know we're doing the social distancing for the most part although you see hordes of cars in various streets and and people, you know, group when they shouldn't be on, on rare occasions. We're doing all this and Gordon the death number today is over 800 and and you you sit back and you're like, "Well, my goodness, what what would it be like if we weren't doing the social distancing?"
0: Yeah, I mean, you you think about how quickly, really, and and again, as I said last night, and I think it's for a lot of sports fans, when the NBA said, you know what? All right, we're not only canceling this game, we're postponing this season. That's when I think it became real for a lot of people. And in that short period of time, it felt like, wow, look at all the things that are happening this quickly, right? People doing it on themselves, leagues doing it on their own. To, to try to impact the curve, to try to dull the curve down a bit. And while it is great that we were able to do all those things and, and necessary really do all those things, you look at the numbers and, and it is, it's kind of crazy to think about how, what would the numbers be without it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the numbers are, are terrifying when you see them. And when you watch the news, I think everybody watches the news, and then at some point you have to say to yourself, you know, I can't watch this all day, yeah, uh, because it just becomes too much. But uh, yeah, it, it is crazy, and especially when you look at the other side of it too, because you know, as a sports fan, right? When 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 Rudy Gobert was was diagnosed, and then you find out that Donovan Mitchell was diagnosed, but no other players on the team were. It's a very strange disease, uh, illness, virus, whatever you want to call it. It's very, very odd how people get it, how they don't. I don't really think that we have a really great idea yet, even now, even the experts. Yeah, they know the main ways, but I don't think they know all the ways because it just seems like it's a very strange thing of who's getting it and who's not.
1: And that's why, Gordon, it's going to be so tricky as to how you bring sports back because sports and just how we come back overall as society, but certainly how you bring sports back because You're going to have to be able to have the 15-minute or five-minute test, however it may be by that time, because you're going to have to be able to test everybody. And, Gordon, you're going to be able to have to test everybody on more than one occasion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you'd have to – I mean, think about for a baseball team. I don't know what the the rules will end up being or if they're You know, – I've seen some ideas of having expanded rosters. You'd have to be able to test all the guys on all the rosters and be able to – it can't be like, hey, we'll test these 10 guys and then in a couple of hours we'll test another. You have to be able to do it relatively quickly.
1: And You, you can't have just have sure.
0: it that, yeah, I mean, you, you gotta can't have the results. It's quickly. gonna take hours. Yeah, exactly. You know, it can't be like, all right, we'll get half the team done in the next four hours and then we'll start on the other half.
1: Yeah, you, you can't do it that way. And then the other concern, Gordon, is, is this like the quote, Re, re, the other flu, unquote, right, where, you know, sometimes you have it in the cold, weather. the summertime comes, the, the weather gets warmer, it tends to, you know, level out a bit, and then when it gets colder, it pops back up again. Is this going to be the same way? And so that's the other concern. So really, when you talk about things getting back to, quote, normal, unquote, whatever that's going to be, uh that's a major thing. Testing is going to be a major situation, and when you talk about what Major League Baseball was thinking about doing, just having, you know, putting some things out there, some feelers. Our Jeff Passer reported that MLB working on a blueprint that could allow the season to officially begin sometime in May. All 30 teams will be brought to Phoenix, Gordon, Phoenix, Arizona, where they would be sequestered and tested for COVID-19 frequently, and then games will be played at spring training facilities and complexes in the area, including Chase Field. Gordon, really? You know what this sounds like to me? My my son, Larry, is
0: obsessed with roller coasters, loves Mm -hmm. roller coasters, loves riding them. And uh, from time to time, even now, even at the age of 12, he will float to me the idea of building my own roller coaster. He will float the uh, (laughs) – let's build it in the backyard and he'll come up with reasons why, you know, we could do it over here, we could do it over there. And it all sounds good in his mind. But Mm -hmm. then here comes Dad to bring in just like even a spec. I wouldn't even know how to go about building a roller coaster. What the actual, you know, things that I would need. But even I know that it's not feasible, and it just feels like you know, uh, unless you are able to. What was that show that they had on CBS in the summertime? Under the Dome, right? Like people were trapped underneath this dome like unless you were able to come up with a way you can play under the dome and like I mean like an act not a like the astrodome I mean I mean like an actual dome where everybody inside is safe I I just maybe it's just my small-minded mind that I just don't see how this is going to be feasible even when you just put the littlest amount of thought into it about the what the
1: realities would be forced to be I mean first of all Gordon what happens because How many times do we hear during a baseball season, a regular baseball season, not just sports, but a regular baseball season of, well, my wife's expecting I have to leave the team for a couple of days. Uh, Unfortunately, death in the family. I've got to leave the team a couple of days. So in other words, you're telling me situations like that, they can't go because otherwise you're going to have to test them when they leave you got to test them when they get on the plane you got to test them when they get off the plane you got to test them All on right, the I, And I would I, I would think that if you leave and you
0: come back you're going to be out of the mix for 2 weeks right you're going to Exactly you, you're going to have to be quarantined in where you know Arizona or Phoenix or wherever they're going to be you, that person's going to be out of the mix
1: for a while You know so 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 that's a thing plus Gordon he, here's the and you and I we talked about this kind of last night where you can't get anybody a whole lot of folks to agree on anything how many veterans are going to say, you know what? Okay, yeah, we'll do that. I I I can see Gary Cole right now. $34 million. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll leave my family for four months. I got no problem with that. Some of these veterans are not going to want to do that, Gordon. I mean, the young players probably just trying to get, you know, because they want the baseball time. They, they yeah. want time to get towards their pension. So you understand, okay, we'll sacrifice. We'll do that. A, a veteran guy with family. I don't know if he's going to want to go down that road, Gordon. I just don't. That's going to be a real separation. And As I said,
0: you know, I, I brought up last night, you know, for, for young people, I think a lot of times, you know, youth is wasted on the young. They don't know the realities of life a lot of times. And they think that they're bulletproof and they're they're invincible in a, in a lot of ways. Being able to, to have the abilities to get to a professional level, they are bulletproof in some ways. So they might not think about the realities of things like that. But when you get a little bit older and when you have a wife and kids and you're not just living for yourself anymore, that's going to be a real separation. And what happens if, you know, there is a veteran player, you know, an established player who says, I'm not going? Well, I mean, Mm. obviously they won't get paid, but what will that mean for Major League Baseball if I would think it's not going to be just one guy? It's going to be probably multiple guys who would feel that same way.
1: Yeah, and multiple guys. And are they the. You know, faces of the franchise guys. Are they Aaron Judge? Are they, uh, Trout? Are they, you know, are they the guys who you look for that are the faces of your franchise who are saying, listen, I understand this, but I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. Forget it. I'm, I'm, there's gotta be a different way.
0: Yeah. Especially married. Yeah. I feel like once you're married and you have kids, it, it, everything changes. And, uh, maybe, you know, for a professional athlete and, and making the money that they do, Maybe there is a you know a majority of them that would say you know what I, I only have so many earning years I have to do this, but there will be some who say you know what this is not worth the risk and uh, they're they're just not going to put themselves in that situation and I mean that's just the like the first obstacle that you would have to get over are the players willing to sequester themselves in Arizona for how long because. You know, one of the problems, and you keep seeing this about, be it the NBA or the uh, the Major League Baseball or golf or whatever, you don't know when it's going to be able to start, and you don't know when you're going to know. Yeah, yep. You know, you're not going to know when you're going to know you can start. It's not again. It's not like they're going to wave a white flag and say, "Okay, we're all okay now." It's going to be a gradual feeling out process. And I get the Major League Baseball, sure, all the leagues. Want to have plans in place so they can kind of hit the ground running and make up for lost time. So I guess it's a good idea to look at all the contingencies and to be creative and think outside the box. Right now, I just feel like as soon as you scratch the surface of what the reality would be, and you know, to to go to Arizona and play the games there, I, I just don't think it holds water. I don't think it
1: holds up. I agree with you, and, and there's a number of other things that we'll talk about with that. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7
0: ESPN. I got some anxiety when she was running down the checklist and she was saying watching too much TV, being on your iPad, too much overeating. I'm like, oh, my God, I've I maybe I need to make a private call to her
1: after this is over
0: because
1: oh, I, I could check off each of those. Yeah, but but you know what's fascinating about that? It's how each of us handles it, right? Yeah, and and, and that's that's what makes you comfortable. I guess the the watchword here, Gordon, is you can do it. You just can't just overindulge yourself and lose yourself in it and and get away from the reality. You know, you have to still have touch with reality.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what? I mean, I, I, with kids and I have young kids, uh, mm. so it's a little, you know, it's a little bit of a shaky moment. And there has been some shaky moments where, you know, the reality of the situation has started to set in about, you know, the things that impact them, school, not seeing their, you know, not the not the most important things in the grand scale, but important for them. And, and we have a we have a family motto. That is, let's make a memory. And it is, you know, Mm. that means let's take a bad situation and make it as good as we can make it. And, you know, we were talking at dinner one night and I said, you know, you guys are going to be able to tell your kids that you live through this. Mm. And that like put a light bulb in their head like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? That's, you know, kind of crazy that that's going to be something that we'll we'll live long enough to tell our kids about. So, um it's all about trying to, you know, dose it out in, in the the appropriate, I think, um, ways for your kids. But um and also, you know, for those of us that are at home, it does get a little overwhelming when everybody's around all the time. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it is kind of a blessing, too, man, that we, you have this time. And I, I almost kind of envy people with uh, smaller kids, you know, when they get the, 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 you know, the little babies that uh, you have all the time in the world right now to be around them. It, it is overwhelming at times, but you'll look back on those times and miss them when they're gone.
1: You know, just think about this, Gordon. Uh, twenty five years later, somebody's some somebody's going to be doing something. The, the twenty five years of the the the, the new Andrew Marshan of the Post twenty five years from now is going to be calling you up and asking you what we what was the conversation like on the radio twenty five years ago when this was going through?
0: <laughs> yeah, we were talking about rewatchable movies at five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, That's how, how about Commando? It, right? Can Commando hold off uh, Donny Brasco?
1: That's all. Oh, two good ones. Two yeah, good ones. Yeah. Two good ones. I like yeah. those. I like those. one 800 919 says, getting your thoughts on uh, MLB's grand plan in case you didn't hear it. Gordon and I opened about it. It's that according to R. Jeff Passant, MLB working on a blueprint that could allow the season to officially begin sometime in May where all 30 teams will be brought to Phoenix where they'd be sequestered and tested for COVID-19 Frequently, games will be played at spring training facilities and complexes in the area, including Chase Field. Also, we've added in on Twitter. You can weigh in here too via phone because folks are just blowing up on Twitter with their favorite game. And and that is, and the question is, what is the one game in sports history that you wish you were a part of, you were in attendance for? The one game in sports history you wish you were in attendance for? Now, Gordon, I've got a one and a one A. Okay. On this. Now I have a question
0: first off. Yes. Do I know when I'm going back to see the game how, you know, how the game turns out? Like I know what I'm choosing now, I know obviously the result, but when I go back to that time, do I still know how it's turning out when I'm in attendance for that game or am I just magically transported back to that age and I get to see the game without any
1: knowledge of how it turns out? You know what? That's a great question, Gordon. I think basing it on mine, it didn't matter one way or the other. But okay. I, I, I'll leave it open to, to, to how you want to do it. Okay. I'll leave it open you to you. You give how, me your, you, you
0: give me your, uh, one, cause I have one and I thought it would be the most obvious one, but at least so far as I've seen, no one on Twitter has mentioned it, but
1: you go ahead. Okay. So the, the, well, and nobody's going to mention mine because of the, of the age of them. All right. So one for me is obviously for me as a Nick fan, it's to be in the garden for the Willis Reed game. Yeah, that's a great game. Obviously it's really the Walt Clyde Frazier game. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, with, I mean, talk about burying the lead, right? Willis Reed comes out, game seven. (laughs) Oh, look what happens. Oh, he hits. Oh, look, the Lakers are lost. Oh, by the way, Walt Clyde Frazier, 36 and 19? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Clyde did, Clyde did all the heavy lifting. Yes, he did. All Willis had to do was show, show up, Right. right? Right. So, so talk about burying the lead. So that's one. But for me, Gordon, one A, and I'll tell you why it's one A in a second. For me, it would my one A is Brooklyn Dodgers and Boston Braves in nineteen forty seven because I wanted to see Jackie Robinson, yeah, take the field for the first time. Yeah, and, that's a, that's a great one too. And the reason why it's one A, Gordon, is because now, and this kind of answers your question. It's one A because I want to be there to see it happen. It's also one A because I'm I'm reluctant to have to go through. What African Americans went through in that time to sit there and watch that game?
0: Yeah, that would be a fascinating watch to actually be in that moment, right, and, and to actually be experiencing it not through any other prism but the actual moment and knowing. And almost, I mean, the game itself, the result. I don't even know what 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 was the exactly. result of that game. Did the Dodgers win that game? I don't even know.
1: I don't even know. Yeah, but that, I, that that's kind of a cool one. Yeah. So so for me, that those were my but that's my one. So I was battling with them going back and forth, Gordon. But just for just to just to think about being in the stands, being in a in a certain section of the stands and just hearing the type Mm -hmm. of insults and things that you would hear. Mm -hmm. But all but willing to endure that because I wanted to see history. That's history. That that's, that's the first African-American to take the baseball field in the major leagues and, and to and to have that, you know, that quiet sense of please don't fail, please, because right. <laughs> you because cause you understand that if he does, he might be the only one to be only African-American to play in the major leagues. Yeah. So, that, so that, those that, were my one in one a.
0: Ty just told me I don't know I didn't know this but the Dodgers won the game twelve six so um, you know obviously uh, the win but that not really the the major like you know that that moment and you know what took place but mm-hmm. you, I didn't know up until this moment I didn't know that that, uh, that that what the result of the actual game was you know the one I was surprised and it's not my sport it's mm-hmm. not my favorite sport but I would have to say just in terms of my own. Lifespan. The thing that I would love to have been able to witness in the moment would be the Miracle on Ice. Like to yeah. be there that day. Mm. Now it does take some of the steam out of it. As I said, like if I know, I obviously know now how it turned out. If I, but if I had been able to be transformed back into that moment when I was a nine-year-old kid and didn't know. And that moment, I don't know though that I would have gotten the right, like, would you know in that moment of how important that game was 50, you know, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, 50 years later? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's the one that I thought of. Uh, the other one that I thought of was, uh, Tyson Douglas. That would oh, have yeah. been a fascinating one to be, you know, especially <laughs> oh, yeah. if you didn't know yeah. and you're sitting there watching that transpire and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God. you know, yeah. the, the, the big, you know, the indestructible, unbeatable Mike Tyson is getting beat by James Buster Douglas. I mean, that yeah. would have been I still remember I, I did not watch that live. I remember coming home and my parents, you know, my, my father was always like a joker. So uh, mm. he would he he told me when I came in, yeah, Tyson lost, I said, yeah, okay, right, uh, and I remember that he was fighting that night. I uh-huh. couldn't even remember the guy's name that he was fighting that night oh. because it was like, you know it, it's just going to be another tomato camp for Mike Tyson, just run you know, knock over so that's that's the other one. Those two there would be not necessarily my favorite sports, but just mm-hmm. moments that in time that I think would be fascinating to be in the building for
1: if you had watched it though, Gordon. You would have kind of had an idea Tyson was in trouble when they had this big water bag over his head trying to beat the- Oh, that. the big balloon, right? Remember the big balloon? Oh my, it was like those guys said, it was like one of those movies where
0: like the, the person changes bodies with another person and they get stuck in a job and they don't know how to operate anything. They were sitting with that big water balloon. I've never
1: once seen, and I think it was just a rubber, wasn't it just like a rubber glove that they was filled an with ice like bag. water? It yeah. was an ice bag and, you know, somebody forgot to put the end swell in the kit. Oh my <laughs> which, God. which is what that a, for people, a, <laughs> you know, for people who don't know boxing, it's really, it's a flat piece of iron right. that's usually placed on ice. And what happens is the cut guy in, in the corner places it over whatever they're swelling to keep mm-hmm. the swelling down. Well, they decided to not use that. They used an quote ice bag unquote. and... <laughs> the ice melted (laughs) right that that is the problem with ice right yeah that's that's a mess nobody nobody understood that and that you know although he wasn't really prepared and there was talks about well he's not really training he's just getting he's having fun he's getting uh you know massages over there he's not really training he's not really taking buster douglas seriously and you know, you're listening to it, and you're like, yeah, but it's Buster Douglas, like, nobody takes him seriously. Like right. he's not gonna, he's not gonna, he's not gonna lose to Buster Douglas. You don't have to worry about that. And then <laughs> it happened.
0: Yeah, it, it was it, that was as just shocking as any loss I think that uh, that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, that in that moment when Mike Tyson was the undestructible guy, you know, yeah. and and just looking at him, right, just with the the towel, the cut towel, and the black mm-hmm. sneakers and the black yeah. shorts, all business. This, like, uh this, uh, this, fire hydrant guy. Oh my gosh. I, I, that, that moment will always, uh, when I came into the house, ha- it took about, I'd say a good half hour of my father telling me, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, dad, sure. And then I, t- I remember, I think I turned on CNN, Nick Charles. Was oh, yeah. At the wow. fight. And, um, he was, yeah, uh, and you could tell by Nick Charles's face, he was like in shock of what he yep. had just seen.
1: And you know what, Gordon? He was never the same after that because the invincibility had been removed. The, the bully, you know, the bully was beaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he was normal again, and he was never the same fighter. It's never the same. You know, there was a, there was
0: a line, there was a movie about, I, I'm not sure if it was about Ali or who it was about, but they, they, they were talking about Foreman. He got knocked, you know, he got knocked out by Ali. Mm-hmm. And the line was, it took him 20 years to get up off the canvas. Yeah. And uh, for Mike Tyson, you know, look, he's rebounded his life. Uh, he's, 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 he's you know, still, you know, out there and has kind of gotten things back on what seems to be good footing. But in terms of a sports sense, no, he never really was ever the same guy again.
1: No, no, he wasn't because like I said, and, and then to prove that, he bites Evander Holyfield's ear in the ring, which I happened to be there for that fight. It was just like, he, he bit his ear? He, yeah. what? <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, that was a strange Why is he jumping up? The, what? That was crazy. It was crazy. Small businesses all over will be feeling the lasting effects of this pandemic. So if you have a small business trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, let us know. Send an email to 987ESPN at gmail.com. Let us know your story so we can pass the word along to our listeners. Again, that's 987ESPN at gmail.com. And I've got two places I'm going to tell you about, along with your phone calls and your responses to Twitter. Hardesty and Damer on 987. ESPN. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7
0: ESPN.
1: Yeah. What is the one game in sports history you wish you weren't in attendance for? Gordon, let's take some phone calls. Let's begin with John in Freehold. John, you're up first on ESPN New York Tonight.
2: Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How are we today? Hey, John hope you and your families are very safe and sound and i wish the best for you hopefully we'll come out of this real soon you know i normally call you guys and we talk new york knickerbocker basketball but you know there's more important things on the on the plate right now in this country and uh it's a really sad time right now it's unprecedented uncharted territory you know this isn't a hurricane it's not a snowstorm it's not a power outage this is a major um problem health concern throughout our great nation here and uh not enough has been give, said or given to the uh, frontline essential workers. You know, a lot of people mention the police officers, the fire department, the EMTs, the, the um, doctors, the nurses, and rightfully so. I mean, the courage that they've displayed and the risk that they're under and the amount of hours they're putting in with overtime and, and the stress level and the concern and being away from their families. You know, they, they can't be given enough praise, enough credit and, uh, and enough money. They can't earn enough as far as respect and monetary return, as far as I'm concerned, but uh, the folks that really aren't getting mentioned that are also considered frontline essential workers and uh, on the firing line, so to speak, are uh, the folks like the Amazon warehouse workers guys absolutely the, the people at Walmart, the people at ShopRite, the people at stop and shop, uh, the truck drivers, I mean these folks are really, really putting in a ton of ton of hours working a whole lot of overtime. Uh, they're putting themselves at as much risk as the as the frontline healthcare workers are, and uh, I really think a fund needs to be raised for these folks, and uh, they can't be compensated and taken care of, you know, any less than the, than the other people that I mentioned, like the uh, police officers, the doctors, the nurses, the EMTs. I mean, these people are really grinding it out. They're putting a lot of hours in, a lot of overtime. They're under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and they're not making a tremendous amount of money. And uh, they're invaluable to us right now as far as getting us all of our essential items that we need on a day-to-day basis that we kind of take for granted and forget about in our normal daily lives. And this isn't normal daily lives that we're living right now and not normal times. And uh, we're going to remember this period for a very long time. And a lot of people have suffered, have passed away, will continue to suffer and pass away, unfortunately, before it's all said and done. I just hope it happens sooner rather than later. And uh, let's let's pay homage. Let's say thank you. and Let's reward these people for what they've done, you know, to this point. John, you're absolutely
0: right, because, I mean, for all of us who are able to work from home and are able to stay in our house and that's the real thing that we have to do, we would not be able to do that without all the people you mentioned, the supermarket workers or the cooks who are still going in Mm -hmm. and you're you know, you're picking up a meal or you're you're getting, you know, drive through or whatever. All these people, the, the the bodega workers, they are absolutely essential to allow us to to still be able to you know follow what the the orders are of staying in your house and staying home. Because if, I mean, imagine you weren't able to go to the supermarket and pick mm-hmm. up some stuff quick and get home. I mean, this the, the, this problem would be forget about it. I mean, it would be unbe- It would be astronomical the numbers that we'd be looking at.
1: You're you're, you're absolutely right, Gordon. And just the whole tone and as as bad as it is okay it would imagine it being worse Yeah. Imagine the panic then. Yeah, exactly. Because now now you're looking at people maybe going into people's home. You understand what I'm saying? You're looking at just a whole other atmosphere. You're looking at just a whole other tone of of how things would be, because now you're looking at people desperate to to get food, desperate to, you know, to to find a way to to take care of their family. You know what I mean, Gordon? So it it would be just it would be just a total. I can't even imagine how it would be other than I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. No.
0: I, and you know what? Don't want to, right? Exactly you don't want to right. think about what it would be like when you're actually having to fight to find food or fight to find the supplies that you need to keep your family safe.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 987
3: ESPN. Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? How are you doing in these tough times, man? What's going on? Doing good, Buddha. Yeah, what's happening? On? Listen, I mean, that gentleman uh, just spoke before a while, wow. kind of hard to go after him. You know, he kind of hit all the, the salient points that we're always mm-hmm. talking about. You know, there's um, Trader Joe's up there in Greenberg that I've been going to, and, um, you know, they've been so so kind. They've been restocking the shelves. They're making sure that only a few people get in the store, the distance and everything. And he's right, man. You know, he's, these people are taking care of us. Like you said, Larry, I mean, imagine if there wasn't food, uh, you know, the kind of things that could be taking place. Mm-hmm. It could be really bad, you know. So yeah. as, as, as much as we like to complain about, you know, people and what, you know, what goes on in life, you got to appreciate, you know, a lot of people are stepping up and, and, and doing great work at this tough time, you know.
1: Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, and I hope that people understand our being civil. Because, you know, sometimes you're the last, you've been waiting in line and they're letting mm-hmm. people go and, and you're the person that doesn't get in, right? And now, yeah. you know, what's your attitude like if you've been standing in line X amount of time, you know, just understand yeah. it, be patient because they're, guess what? They're actually saving your life. Yes, they are. That's how you gotta look at it.
3: Now listen, with the, um, the, the you said the game, uh, what you would like to be at if it was just one game, and for me, you know, it wouldn't be necessarily a game. It would have had to been. Uh, but It was on TV earlier. You guys had that that thriller Manila on. Mm. I mean, growing up in the seventies, man, you know, you sitting down watching that Wide World of Sports with your pops or your uncle or whoever it was, man. I mean, especially, especially in, in the black community, man. Ali was, you know, he was like everything, man. Yeah, and you wanted him to not just. Beat Joe Frazier, but for him, you know, when he fought, he fought Frazier that first time, and you know, you knew he wasn't the same guy that he had been, and he had been out for a while, and you really wanted him. The, the one, the reason why the thriller Manila was was the one that you loved so much was because he he stopped him. You know what yeah. I mean? There was yeah. no decision, there was no nothing. He stopped him. You know, as much as um, you know, you loved Ali, that was kind of like his last. Really great moments because those fights with Ken Norton, even though they gave him a decision here and there, he really didn't win those fights. Uh-huh. And, you know, I remember my father's of face, man. You know, like I, you know, I can remember it like it was yesterday, man. And he saw that, that that fight in 76 with Norton. He was like, and I just heard him say, he was like, he's not the same, man. Yeah. You know, he's not the yeah. same.
1: You know, it's funny, Buddha, and thanks for the phone call in your memory. It's funny because there are people who will tell you uh, who were close to him at the time, Gordon, that. There's moments in that fight when he was watching it back, he being Ali, mm-hmm. that he would go back to some of the the middle rounds and that something happened in those middle rounds. Like eight, nine, something happened and he would go back and look at those specific rounds, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there uh, to figure out, you know, like what something something was not right here in, mm-hmm. in there, you know. So uh and there's no question he wasn't the same. But listen, Gordon you're talking 15 rounds. <laughs> right. I mean, you're talking yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. You're talking punishment. You're talking, you know, it it it's a whole different world of boxing than what we talk about today. A whole different world.
0: Yeah. Uh, you talk about that for any sport, right? You think about yeah. the hits that you saw in the NFL when you, you know, yeah. you were know, growing up in the 70s and even 80s, and, and you think about those hits today. Uh, there, there's, I mean, guys would be arrested with some of those, you know, I'm That's thinking right. of the Jack Tatums of the world
1: and yeah, stuff like absolutely. that. There's no
0: way that that would ever fly. But yeah, boxing is, is certainly that case as well.
1: Speaking of Jack Tatum, there was, uh, on NFL Network, they did a feature on Lynn Swan and Dave Stallworth. Mm-hmm. Of the uh, of the Super Bowl champion Steelers of the seventies, and it talked about how the corners for the Raiders hated Lynn Swan because his name was Lynn, and, and, and <laughs> it's so a, it's a
0: tough crowd, man.
1: Tough they hated crowd hated Lynn Swann because his name was Lynn, and he would always do these jumping acrobatic catches. Even Mm -hmm. though he, even going over the middle at a time when they could just, you know, do whatever they want to do with you over them. And you, you look at some of the hits that he took. Oh my God. In those games, you're like, and they've got the nerve to call pass interference now? Oh, forget (laughs) it. Forget it. You know, he was laid out, Gordon. Yeah. Tatum
0: was a little bit before my time, Mm -hmm. but the reason why I know I, I have such an association with him is, I had this game when we were growing up. It was called VCR football. I, I, it was popular at the time. Maybe I was the only the one, only one that remembers it. And what would happen is you'd play the game, and every once in a while you'd get a card, and you'd have to hit a play on the VCR tape, mm-hmm. and you'd hit it. And sometimes it was you know black and white footage. But there were there was about three or four Jack Tatum hits. And one is Sammy White, the the the, uh, the Vikings receiver. I think mm-hmm. Sammy White, sure. yep. where his helmet comes flying off, and me and my buddy were thinking to ourselves, "Who the heck is that guy?" <laughs> and we went, then we went and back and we found out, oh, that's Jack Tatum, you know, assassin Jack Tatum. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, and all the things that went through his, in his career with the Stingley and everything else. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, so you talk about some hits, you know, we're talking about the games that you would love to be at. Mm-hmm. The NFL network, you talk about cruel. Right now, they are replaying the Patriots falcons Super
1: Bowl. Oh. And, and, and now all look, Atlanta has For, for the
0: Patriot fan, there's about, you know, there's 100 games that they would want to see again. Yes. I have said it before. I will say it again. If I were a Falcon fan, after that game, I would say, you know what? Football's not for me. That, that yeah. would be the final game I would ever watch. If I had to live through 28-3 up in the Super Bowl, having never won a yeah. Super Bowl, and yeah. about to take down the big, bad Patriots and lose that game the way they did... Sorry, that would be the sports gods telling me, you know what, Gordon, you might like football. It's not for you. No, and you're not coming back. No, I would (laughs) never go back. Imagine being a Falcon. There's some Falcon fan right now sitting in his house. Nothing to do. He's flipping around the channels. He's looking for one of those rewatchable movies, but Mm -hmm. he comes across the NFL network and it's 28 three Falcons. And all of a sudden he, you know. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.